This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1707, Comic Talk! I'm Brian Christman. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Adam Murdo. And I'm Chris Everly. With Spider-Man. <laughs> what do you mean with Spider-Man? He had Amigo Spider-Man flying all over the screen. Oh, okay. so it's the, raining. Yeah, I know. It's, it, yeah, it's, I'm okay with it's that. It's Thursday, August 2nd, 2018 AD, and we're ha- and here in PA, we're in the middle of what, a week-long oh, wet yeah. spell? Yeah. With another week in sight? Pretty much yeah. just rain every day at some point? Yep. How's your lawn? I don't know. The kids do it. <laughs> they they want they want to save up for different things they want to get and do. So I'm like, all right, move along. Okay. <laughs> they're they're old enough. Help Ben's taller than me now by four or five inches. Seriously? Oh god, yeah. Oh yeah. He's he started to get catch up last July to where he was just about as tall as me. And in that year, he's just shot up exponentially. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, this will be our time-tested comic talk where we go all over the place. What do you say, loosey-goosey, timey-wimey? Yeah, loosey-goosey, timey-wimey. <laughs> Wibbly-wobbly. Yeah, there may or may not be any spoilers. We'll try to forewarn this forearm. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes we blurt stuff out without thinking about it. Yeah, well, we've already talked before about some things we won't, we won't talk about. Um, but it's been a while since we've had one of these shows, so I know Chris uh, talking about Steve Dicko passing. Yes. Well, uh, he passed away on June 29th, um, and the, the manner in which he died didn't surprise me, considering how he lived. Uh, he died in isolation in his apartment slash studio. He's 90 years old, and he was found by the police. Um, and since Steve Ditko was a recluse, it's not surprising and fitting that he passed in, uh, in that fashion. Um, I mean, what can you say? We've talked about him many times in, on the air and different spotlights and so forth. I mean, he's one of the, for me, one of the most important artists in the American comic book medium. Um, his distinctive style, the, the way he incorporated elements of sci-fi, mystery, noir, uh, creepiness in general. Uh, I think nobody drew regular peeper, peeper, regular people. Better than Ditko did in that he made people look very mundane, even very ugly. Uh, when you saw, you know, crowd scenes and people looking agog at, you know, Spider-Man or and one of his opponents above their heads. I mean, you really believed those were just regular, everyday, you know, denizens yeah. of whatever city, well, New York City in this case, that he was illustrating. Um, I mean, when you think about the breadth of his work, I mean, primarily, of course, he's most famous for Marvel, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. He also worked on uh, Iron Man. He actually designed Iron Man's red and gold armor. Uh, he worked on the Hulk, um, and uh, you know he also worked for Charlton. He did extensive work for them after he left Marvel. He also did work uh, briefly with DC. And one of Merd's favorites, The Creeper, was conceived by Ditko as well as Hawk and Dove. Um, I, I mean, I, I was terribly sad to hear that he had passed. I mean, granted, he was quite old, but. Um, his impact can't be overstated. Uh, but of course, also, he was a, a man of very strong principles. Uh, it's kind of funny. Whenever I read about Steve Ditko, 
uh, and, and sort of his, his the way he viewed life. And this is pure fanciful talk here because this would never have happened. But I wonder if, I, if I'd ever met him, got to know him. I don't know if I actually would have liked him. <laughs> um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I mean, as an artist, his uh, is, is, is impact is incalculable. Um, and you know, later in his li- later in his career, as he, as he really got into Ayn Rand's uh, objectivist philosophy, you saw that reflected in his work and some of his later Spider-Man stories that he was drawing and, co- and co-plotting. Uh, later characters, the question, and then of course, uh, Mister A. Um, you know, he had a very strong. I think it's fair to say a black and white notion of. Uh, how one applies the concepts of justice and, and you know earning earning from your labor uh, and so forth. That, that's this is a very off the off the top of my head type of uh, comments. But um, there's so many great books you can read about Ditko. That uh, BBC did a wonderful documentary in search of Steve Ditko, uh, which I highly recommend. Which ends with Neil Gaiman actually getting into Ditko's apartment to actually see him briefly. Um, he, Gaiman was a guest on that show. Um, there's a lot of great uh, Fantagraphics, Top Shelf. Other companies have done books about him and have also reproduced a lot of his uh, lesser-known work. Um, a lot of like his monster stories or, or, or sort of you know mystery, sci-fi, noir stories that appeared in in like Marvel Atlas stuff and, and, and Charlton and so forth. So, you know, unfortunately, we're at a point now, and this has been happening for the past several ye- years and even decades. A lot of these great creators we talked about over and over again. They're all passing away now, um, and, and this is one of the real giants uh, of the medium. So rest in peace, Steve Ditko. There was a, a great picture that I saw, and I, I changed my Facebook profile picture to, to yes, a, uh, of Blue, Blue Beetle. Beetle. I forget what it said exactly at the top. Adam commented on it the one time, mm. um, but whatever, whatever it was, it was perfect. Um, it was a gorgeous Blue Beetle picture, so I, I was thrilled to find it on, online and post it. Yeah, I do think the cat. I don't remember exactly what the image's caption said either, Shane. But it uh, it spoke to mortality and the human condition in a way that uh, was just beautifully fitting to yeah. the occasion. Yeah. The fact that the creator of, of that character had passed on. So well chosen image there, Shane. Yeah, it was cool. And we've always harped uh, on the show about you know if you are at a show or you meet a creator that. You enjoy the work, and you'll go up to him and just say thank you. Yeah. Now, obviously, it was uh, it was pretty hard to do that with Steve Ditko, mm-hmm. but I've seen so many people online posting that they have been able to send him letters, and he hand wrote them responses back yeah. many times. Uh, a few people, including our, our friend who used to work at uh, DCBS, Zach Cruzy, mm-hmm. last year yep. made a trek to go meet him and met him. And I know, and I said, I know how much that meant to to Zach yeah. to do that, and I have to imagine. Whether he cared or not that Mr. Dicko knew people appreciated his work. I'm sure he got a lot of mm-hmm. that. I'm not sure how much he, you know, cared for that and so forth. But yeah. uh, so. And and I have one of the artist's editions. There were two of them out, right, for him? For Ditko? I thought. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Uh, for Ramita, yes. No, no, I don't think I have And there's, there's been some talk of having, um, oh, yeah, Ditko um, artist editions. And that's the thing, from my knowledge of original art collecting, if, if you want an amazing Spider-Man page drawn by Steve Ditko from the original run in the 60s, oh. you're, you're going to start at 
maybe 40,000 you might start at. Yeah. Even with that, with that without Spidey on it, just from my, my limited knowledge on that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's law, supply, and demand. And the demand, whoo-wee, good God almighty. Yeah. Ditko himself uh, didn't have a great deal of respect for his own past work. I mean, he, he liked to keep on moving forward to new artistic challenges. I heard an anecdote about how he had a couple of old pages of uh, Journey into Mystery or Art or, or some, one of the early like, anthologies that Marvel did lying around his apartment, and he was just using it for scrap paper, basically. Huh. He just <laughs> didn't have that much interest in preserving it. Wow. Um, so that, that might be one of the things contributing to the uh, scarcity of Ditko original pages. Well, that's, I think that's definitely the case, Murd. I mean, and I've, I've heard this the same story. I've read it many times where he would, you know, draw on the back of, of, of art or, or you kind of cut it up, use it as backer boards or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, but what Pants is saying about the letters, that's totally true. I, and my old friend John Paul, who runs the New Jersey comic book shows.com, he does two shows a month in New Jersey for over 20 years, um, he's shown me letters from Steve either he, he received or like someone traded or sold him or something like that. You know, or like people are asking him questions or asking him to appear at events, and he writes back and they're very polite, but you know, basically it's you know, sorry, <laughs> not interested. <laughs> and uh, actually, pants, I'm gonna jump away for a second. So I want to check my library. There's a book about Dick I want to recommend. I'll be right back. I wanted to just give people the title. Sure, I'll be right back. Just resume. I'll be right there. <laughs> so I wanted to bring up something else for Adam. I don't know if you've seen this news, Adam. Have you? No. Uh, it's not, Probably not. It's not good news. Have you heard about DC pulling the Monster Society of Evil? <gasps> Get out. Have they given a reason for doing this? D- I'm reading off of comicbook.com. After careful consideration, DC announces that the Shazam! The Monster Society of Evil Deluxe Edition hardcover is canceled. Due to concerns over its contents, the, the title will not be resolicited. Huh? Well, I guess there are a couple of elements in that story that might not translate that well to a modern audience. Um, I mean, it was done during wartime. There might have been some unflattering caricatures of Japanese people, which is something that Fawcett tried to avoid doing. But in wartime, you know, it's. I think they were kind of drawn along in the. Uh, the, the uncomplimentary current of wartime sentiment. Uh, there was a, a bad guy named Nippo uh, who was uh, just, just a flat-out uh, evil Japanese uh, elevated sandal-wearing, buck-toothed, sickly yellow-skinned caricature. Uh, absolutely racist. Um, so maybe because of that, and there probably were a few other you know, ethnic uh, uh, caricatures or stereotypes like that. That that might be what they mean by objectionable content. Well, so. I can certainly see their their reasoning there. It was reprinted what, years forty ago. years ago in yeah. the seventies, I think, in a like, something like that. I want to say the eighties. It was okay. some kind of uh, library collection. Mm-hmm. Oh, just so I'm back. My apologies, gentlemen. So the book, just to jump back to the Dicko for a moment, because this is a wonderful book on his career. It's called Strange and Stranger. The World of Steve Ditko by Blake Bell, printed by Fantagraphics. Uh, that came out in uh, 2008. It's got reprints of all kinds of Ditko art. Uh, it goes through his entire life. Uh, if someone's interested in really you know, reading up on Ditko and just the impact of his career and to get a wonderful eyeful of his work, this is a book I highly recommend. It's outstanding. So that's called The World of Steve Ditko. Hmm. 
Excellent. Uh, let's see. I have a few things to bring up in case anybody has anything you want to jump in. Shane, because you're sort of limited for time. I'll jump in with uh, two things. Certainly. One was I was absolutely blown away by the announcement of the Clone Wars cartoon coming back on yeah. somewhere. How long has that been out? Oh, it's Not been four, last season. five, five years, something like that. Because Rebels was four, I think four seasons, maybe five seasons long. And it was at least six months or a year before that happened when it ended um and then in the interim they had the lost episodes that came out which i've never seen yet they came out on dvd blu-ray whatever um so i do still want to track those down to watch but yeah i I totally blown away that they're coming back out with a way to finish the series properly and knowing what i no i'm not going to say that okay um yeah, I was I was blown away. It'll be a lot of fun to, to revisit that universe in that way again. Um, I loved Rebels. I, I think it's an outstanding show. Um, but it'll be neat to see how they how they decided to close out Clone Wars and, and come back with however many episodes they're going to do. Um, the other thing is I'm I'm somewhat excited but but hesitant uh, about it. I saw the information about the DC streaming service that you can sign up for, and I, and yes. I want to do it because unlike so, – so I have and, – and we talked briefly about this. I have Netflix. I have Amazon Prime and watch a bunch of stuff on both of them constantly. I don't have, say, the CBS thing because as much as I want to see this new Star Trek show – I don't have any other interest in anything else on CBS, really, so I don't want to pay for just one show yet. Um, Maybe somewhere down the road. We'll see. But come to talk about Disney's coming out with their own service as well as DC's certainly coming out with theirs. There's so much cross-media, so many shows, cartoons, movies. DC's talking about having comics on there that you can read. Yeah, I saw There's so much out there that's going to be out there for it. I don't own everything that DC's ever produced movie, cartoon, and TV-wise. I just don't. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to, to yeah, get everything. Yeah, to but. get everything. And, there, and there's a lot of it out there now. Oh, sure. So I'm, I'm very interested in that because of having the access to be able to rewatch that stuff at will. And all the new stuff that's coming out. There's like, what, Swamp Thing, Titans, Harley Quinn. Stargirl at some point. Stargirl was just announced. I mean, there's a multitude of stuff of new shows coming that just interest me to no end. So uh, I'm very interested that I was wondering if any of you guys were looking at doing it as well. Mm, pass. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. Gentlemen, I have, I apologize. I have a family issue. I have to sign off, unfortunately. Okay. okay. I'm sorry about that. Just something came up that I, I need to deal with. All right. Um, oh, go ahead. But uh, again, my apologies. My apologies to the audience. Um, but, uh, you know, teenagers, so, Family man, we understand. No, we, we we do. Yeah, but uh, gentlemen, I'll I'm, I'll see. You all, I'll talk to you all as soon as I return from a vacation. We'll reconvene. Okay, you got it. Sounds good. All Have right, fun. brothers. Take all care. Right. Bye. Right. Bye. I don't always get to just sit down and watch TV anymore. I watch it whenever I get a minute, <laughs> even if it's washing dishes. I got my phone or an iPad set up watching something. As <laughs> you I, get, the, we we can still a minute or two yeah, as well. Yeah, you, you do and, that, and it doesn't matter to me. Like. I don't sit there and, and calculate, oh, I need 45 minutes to watch this whole entire show. I just, 15 minutes I have, that's what I watch it. If I start something before I go to work, I watch it for 15 minutes, catch a little bit at lunch or catch some in the evening, whatever whatever it works out to. So I am interested in it because of, of, of all the things I love about all the various multimedia things DC has out there. 
Um, I'm just curious to get more information about exactly what's going to be out there. If it's if it's out there and it's going to be out there always, or will it be rotating like what Netflix or Amazon Prime has has things come on and off all the time um, through their services? So I was I was glad to get some more information about it, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see just how well it does, how many people actually sign up for it, which even I didn't do yet. I'm I mean I'm planning on it, but I didn't do it yet. Because you mentioned there's the early, is that still in play? The early as bird far special. As I know. I didn't look in the last week. It was last week when I checked it. It was like seventy five dollars for fifteen months, which isn't bad. No. All things being equal, you can probably get five bucks a month out of that service somehow. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. I'm gonna dig a little bit into the CGS archives as I'm going with this next thing here. So, I think I might have mentioned to you guys that uh, I'm considering. Seriously, you know, selling my comics, mm-hmm. whether not necessarily all at once, but maybe piecemeal or what have you. Or I'm not sure the best way to, to do it or whatever, because I've got almost 25,000 comics in my home, and I have a lot of Silver Age DC runs that go way back. You know, like with, with, with the exception of the 105 issue, I have the entire Barry Allen Flash wow. run, no pun intended, where there are so many key issues in there. Uh, I go back with Batman, Detective, Action, Superman, World's Finest, Showcase, Brave and the Bold, um, Adam, Hawkman, Adam and Hawkman, (laughs) you know, Justice League. So I I go way back. So I have a decent collection. Now, again, most of it is reader copies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have the occasional gem. Gem, like um, I was going through my, my Flash issues, and I came across a really nice copy of the first reverse flash appearance <laughs> so i may get that took a grade and see what happens with that when i have some time i have been trying to find the energy to go through my comic collection and organize it or find things and it can be daunting oh yeah i mean even just my small collection is daunting at times to do yes. something like that so i've been going through and when i find a key book i pull it out and put it aside sure. well some of my books, I know what's in the boxes. Some I don't. So I thought, you know what? Let me see if I can find All-Star Comics 58. When the series was, it was revived, the series in the 70s, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. the first Power Girl appearance, which is a not, not a pretty, pretty decent book. I was in my database. I know what box it is in. Oh, my God, there's the box. Yoink, grab the box and pulled it out. And it was actually... Not awful, but not in the best condition. A bit of a rolled spine. So okay, but I pulled aside and I'm going through the rest of the box. I was like, man, I want to start reading some of these things. Here's All Star Comics. There's my All Star Squadron run. Oh man, I got I, I got to that. That's next on my list probably. Then I found America versus the Justice Society. Yep. Again, the A. Now I, I had issues two, three, and four there. One is missing. I know I have it in my <laughs> house, but I'm not sure where it is. But then after that, I came to Animal Man, which I had never read. The Grant Morrison stuff? Yes. Okay, and I have the whole run. Don't ask me why I do these things about getting... Well, actually, one of the reasons... Oh, no, I'm going to keep going back and forth to talk to Adam about this. And Adam asked me, what percentage of my books have I read? A valid question. <laughs> so I thought about it. It's like... Not as much as I would like. As I was collecting these books, um, going back into the Silver Age, my working theory in my head was, 
I'll get to a point when I'll start reading the books in order of when they came out. Like, here's July of 1955. I'll go read the action yeah. comics, the and Batman, then, yeah, sure. and, and go through all that. That was my plan. Well, I just never got around. I read the occasional book here and there. It was going to be wrong. Yeah. Um, but I never got to read that far back. So it's like, I need to start reading these books. And when I saw Animal Man, I remembered there is a classic episode of Comic mm-hmm. Geek Speak from December of 2005, a Book of the Month club yep. on the first volume of Animal Man Trade, which collected issues one through nine. Now, I, that was the pre-pants era of Comic Geek Speak, and Shane, you were out sick for that episode. Mm-hmm. Adam was on it, Brian Deemer, Peter Rios, Jamie D., Matt, and we had a call-in from big Morrison fan, Jeff Clock. Yep. I binged all 26 issues, including the Secret Origins of Morrison's Animal Man run, so I read it all. But I wanted to hear this episode because I heard so much about it. Never So the episode was a lot of fun, mainly talking with Brian and Jeff and others about issue five, The Coyote Gospel, which is an acclaimed issue of the one I've been finding out, acclaimed issue of comics for, for many people. Now, Adam was on that show, but Shane, have you... I read it back then, getting back ready then? for that episode, okay. but I don't remember oh. much about it. I mean, okay. I there, still have the trades. It was only like my third or fourth appearance on Comic Geeks. Yeah, yeah, you were, you were a youngster. I regret school then. <laughs> but, oh my God, the first four issues was originated to be a, a mini-series, sure. and then they decided to have the series go on, and I dug those first four issues. Now, Coyote Gospel, I, I had to thank God that Jeff Clark was there to explain to me all the various things. And I'm a little bit in Brian Deemer's camp. Not as much, but he was talking about he's a surface reader. He doesn't delve deep into the nuances and things. And there's a lot of things laid mm-hmm. out in that issue that go on the rest of his run, which I understand. And I, was, I didn't actually catch all of them, but having listened to Jeff Clark talk about it and, and Peter and others, I thought, Okay, well, that's, that's why I like listening to other people's opinion because I miss a lot of things. That, that's what helped me with, not to sound weird or change to just a different series, but when I read Starman, I started at, like, issue 40, 50, something like oh, that. that's right. And then, and, and it all started with trying to find something easy to do for a Halloween costume. And <laughs> that was something manageable. So I've, I've got a copy got the costume together, and then I read the issue. I'm like, oh, well, this wasn't too bad, and read through it. Then I got the back issues I was missing, because from that point forward I got it. Once I read that issue, I kept going. Then I got all those issues I was missing, read it, and everything that was happening that I had read, How I got to see how much he laid out in those first 30, 40 issues that came to fruition through the whole rest of the series. Um, I don't know if I would have necessarily remembered it going issue by issue by issue all those years, you know, five, six years, whatever it was. But to binge the first, like, 30 <laughs> issues, well, I could catch I could catch a lot more of it that way. So that, that was great. Yeah, that, that's with so many things I've either watched or read. And it happened to me with Strangers in Paradise. Reading it in collected editions, 
I can't imagine how oh. fans like Jamie no. went Just, to waiting yeah. for the next issue to come out, the suspense, the cliffhanger, uh-huh. the storylines, the, the back things. Things are brought back from early on mm-hmm. that you go, oh, my God. And so I got, the Morrison thing was cool to get that all in one chunk there. Yeah. And I could sort of see what he was doing. And it was he even put himself into the story. I'm like, okay, wow, this is just... Murder, did you ever finish uh, Morrison's run on Animal Man? Oh, uh, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm quite sure I've read all of it by now. Is there anything you can add to this conversation? I, I really dug the stuff with the Psycho Pirate in there. How about you? Oh, well, <laughs> well yeah, that's... It's, well, well, one of the issues with Psycho Pirate in it was called Crisis 2, so naturally that would have been on my radar. I'm, I'm pretty sure that story found its way into my thesis somewhere. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's Morrison. He uh, was a, a rather a sensitive soul back in those days, and between his uh, interest in animal rights activism, which informed the whole of his animal rights, his uh, animal man run. And uh, he, he sort of uh, felt empathy for all these uh, minor DC characters who were... You know, retconned out of existence, and even for the versions of uh, uh, more important characters like Buddy Baker himself, uh, who were deemed uh, unworthy of survival and were uh, uh, sentenced to, to death and or limbo or, uh, by the DC Comics powers that be. So the, this story was kind of his way of uh, showing the existential horror of something like a, of a continuity reboot or a mass retcon of a, car- a company's character library. And uh, so we, we got to see a few uh, fairly minor DC Comics characters who hadn't been seen for years show up for a uh, kind of a strange bonus turn. Like uh, you, you saw the, the the Green Team and Ultra the Multi Alien just kind of uh, <laughs> languishing in limbo there. Yep. You got to see a, a, a few characters of Morrison's own invention who uh, I think have now gotten themselves kind of a more or less official place in the new multiversal mode of reality, like the. Uh, uh, Sunshine Superman and uh, Magic Lantern, and uh, uh, they're now a part of uh, one of the new uh, the, the, the new Fifty Two Earths, uh, the same one that has a uh, Prez as the immortal teenage president on it, and uh, they made their appearance in one of those uh, Psycho Pirate issues in, in the, the late Morrison run. So yeah, that's that's uh, one of my favorite. Uh, it's probably in my top twenty favorite uh, comic stories ever. Uh, those uh, last few issues of Morrison's uh, Animal Man run, where things got really meta and self-reflexive, and when Morrison himself finally introduces himself to Buddy in person. Yeah. That I'm was... saying this with my cat lying here on my bed next to me, just as Morrison had his cat by his side. Yeah. He talked to Buddy. And, of course, at that time, Morrison had hair. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. I, I, was, yes, he I, was, did. I was taking it back, so wait a minute. Oh, my God, I this from, like, 1990 or something like that, when this, was, when this came out. It's like, he yeah. actually had yeah, yeah 1990. Jeez. Wow. But yeah, and maybe even look back to like comic book DB for like who these people were. Mm-hmm. And then there's even a story earlier with, and I forgot the same time, Animal Man was also in the JLE, just mm-hmm. like Europe. Yep. And there was a an issue where he dealt with, met with some of those people, Metamorpho, um, um, Elongated Man, and they battled the Time Commander. Who really only appeared like two Brave and the Bold issues in the sixties? It's like, wow, Morrison's really doing these deep cuts. So. <laughs> and then I remember, oh my god, that's right, Time Commander appeared in fifty two. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, I was like, oh man. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun digging back and getting to read some stories. Sure. And I did eventually read All Star Comics fifty eight. <laughs> I dug my copy out and read that. I think I read it probably once before. Um, but I just dug, first of all, the, the newsprint, the smell. I'm sure you oh, gosh, yeah. 
the 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 weather lately there was one evening where it was perfect humidity oh. and i walked up and opened the door to where my comics are and you could just waft that comic book store smell mm-hmm. cuz i have in my hands my copy of it and there's like a full page ad in here for shrunken head a milton bradley thing with vincent price <laughs> on the yeah. box there's a huge page one page ad for the 6 million dollar man i had let's see i had everything on that all page all those toys and the, the bike action club yep. Oh, love I wasn't that. part of the club, but I had all those toys. Uh, there's references back. There's editor's boxes. Go back to see JLA 102 with this, uh, Seven Souls of Victory. Yep. That's where they get um, Star Spangled Kid from in here. There's a Batman Hostess Pies ad. Sure. There's a, a, a letter column page, which they they'd sent out early black and white copies to, and they got responses from Roy Thomas mm-hmm. and Jerry Bales. Wow. Oh, love reading that. Just, oh, God. There's an ad in here for Evil Knievel. Well, on the back, the whole Evil Knievel thing. So, I mean, I, I went down the rabbit hole with some of these comics. There's a, was it a Big Jim? Uh, yeah, Big Jim's pack, Shane. <laughs> Full-page ad in there. Uh, there's an ad in here that says, It's Superman's birthday, and you can celebrate with us at the Super DC Convention. Yeah. <laughs> A super celebration, a gathering of all that's great in DC Comics. It says here, meet your favorite superheroes and the editors, writers, and artists who chronicle their adventures. Watch as a comic is created before your eyes and see the world's largest, most fabulous collection of original comic art. (laughs) Oh! Hours of movies and cartoons starring the DC superstars and behind-the-scenes secrets of their filming, plus more exhibits, events, and unusual happenings than, ev- than even we can imagine. Uh, wow. This was held in Co- Commodore, New York yeah. in February of 19... Well, so it's like 1976? This is what took me back here. So now I'm, I'm, I'm going to start digging deep into my... Uh, my comic collection. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of where I'm going to go next. Well, I've been mean, scattered. I've got, well, it depends on what I can find. <laughs> yeah. Talk about things that are, are old like that. I took Matt, my young Matt, to go see Teen Titans go to the movies. Uh-huh. I saw that as well. Oh, my God. I laughed the whole time. <laughs> All the little nuanced old things they stuck in their old covers, old books, characters. Little hidden Easter eggs and stuff. I, I thought it was great. I hope anybody who has half an inclination goes to see it. It, it really was a, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep going on if I may. So, so the other day I'm sitting at home and I hear the mailman come, puts mail in a slot, pauses a second, and then I hear some mail like thump. Like, wait a minute, that's a package. What's going on here? So I go down and sure enough, there's a package between the doors. And I said, I didn't order anything. Which is from? It's from Tomorrow's. Yeah. And it's to my home address, not the studio. So what I got in the mail, which I talked about on the air and actually forgot to order, I got the DC Implosion book. Oh, wow. <laughs> called Comic Book Implosion, an oral history of DC Comics circa 1978. That's why I was on my mind in 78. Sure. Oh, my God, I'm almost halfway through this book. I mean, I'm, I'm over halfway through this book already. This is a treasure trove 
of information about some minutia and stuff, but all about what happened with DC Comics in 1978, where they, they had all these titles. It was a DC explosion, and then within three months, it was an implosion. It had a lot of books canceled. That's where Cancelled Comics Cavalcade comes yep. from. Uh, but there's some really neat things in there. It's all told from... It's an oral history. It's people you know, telling things either present or from at that time that are mm-hmm. reflected in order here, and it's amazing. There's so many things in here I can talk about. I'm going to touch on a couple of things here. First of all, one of the things that I didn't realize, which happened with because of this, was comic book pricing was like $0.10 cents yeah. all the way like through like the early 60s. And the pricing wasn't keeping up with like magazines, like Life and Time. They were going up quarter, 30, 50 cents a dollar, what have you there. Comics weren't. And there was like very little profit being made on the comics. So eventually comics went to 12 cents, 15 cents. But yeah. in the 70s, it was like every 18 months, 20 cents, 25 cents, 30, 35. And there, there's really, talk about minutia in there, like content, page rates. And the behind-the-scenes business I was astonished by. I wish I had more of a business sense to understand a lot of all that stuff there. But that was fascinating. Uh, listening to or reading Tony Isabella mm-hmm. talking about Black Lightning and how he got screwed over and other things that happened. There was even a character that was going to predate Black Lightning, that he did not write. It was called Black Bomber, which, oh, my God, just the concept of what that was. Let me see if I can find that page in here, because when I read about that, it's like, and I think Tony Spell was a guy who said, uh, you might not want to publish that. Well, I can't find it, but from my recollection, go Google it, Black, the Black Bomber. It was just, I can't believe that that even got as far as it did with scripts. And there was another talking about, you know, the TV shows at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there was uh, the Wonder Woman TV show. Yep. And initially, it started out showing um, Wonder Woman in the World War II era. Yep. And it came to modern eventually. Well, DC, and this is unbeknownst to me because I haven't read these issues. Wonder Woman, starting with issue 228, had the Earth-1 Wonder Woman go to Earth-2. And I guess she came home, but from 228 to 242, it was all about the Earth 2 Wonder Woman stories in World War II <laughs> to go along with a TV show. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. I, 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 did I not do have that. at least one of those. I, I, I know that I have one Wonder Woman issue from that era of showing Wonder Woman and Jay Garrick on the cover. Yes, yeah. At the Statue of Liberty, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, but fascinating book, and I was like, how did this just, it just came to my house? I don't know. I don't know how I got there. I have an idea, but if that was you, Eric, kudos to you. Like I said, I'm diving into this thing, and I forgot that Larry Hama was an editor at DC at that yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, there's anecdotes near stories talking about uh, like Len Wein and Marv Wolfman and um, Paul Levitz and Jeanette Kahn and talk about Joe Orlando, and there's just so many things. If you're a, a comic book historian of any sense, this is right up your alley. I'm already over halfway through, and it's my copy. <laughs> it came to my house, not the studio. It's mine, damn it. 
I could keep going on if, if, if you want me to. No, but you know, the last time we were together talking on the show and stuff, I was I was in a good routine of reading a book a night at least. Uh-huh. The last couple weeks, just maybe even month, haven't worked out that way. No. So I've gotten behind on my reading again, so i got to sit down sometime soon and catch up on all that. Okay. Uh, I, I did like, I did read the first two Justice Leagues. I haven't gotten the next two yet. Okay. I loved those first two issues. I thought they were very well done. Great story. Love seeing the Injustice League or the Legion of Doom, whatever they're going to call themselves, um, come through. We're going with Legion of Doom this time. It's uh, it was it was a lot of fun to see to see that come through again. Nice. I'll take a Legion of Doom any day of the week. <laughs> well, if we're uh, pausing for uh, brief uh, reader recommendations, uh, I would like to recommend the, the new Doctor Strange series that Marvel has just uh, started up. I uh, did get the first issue of it. Um, it's by Mark Wade and Jesus Saiz, and uh, it's it's an example of good old fashioned uh, comic storytelling. It, it's a uh, it's not the least bit decompressed. Um, I'm not sure how well it ties in with uh, what's been going on in uh, Doctor Strange's continuity over the past uh, couple of creators, if it's uh, rooted in something that Jason Aaron did with him or something. But the basic premise is Doctor Strange has completely lost his magic. Um, Mark Wade is careful to tell us that he's had power fluctuations before, but he's never completely lost his mojo as much as he has here. Mm-hmm. And um, within the space of a single issue, not only does Mark Wade take a couple of pages to bring to really hammer home the, the the horrific sensation of slowly losing, in effect, a whole, whole section of one sensorium. You know, Doctor Strange losing his magic is akin to someone losing their sight or their sense of hearing, going slowly blind or deaf. So he communicates that very effectively in the first few pages. But by the end of the issue, Doctor Strange has had a great little interchange with Tony Stark, very well characterized by Wade. And by the end of it, uh, he's gone out into outer space in a bar borrowed spaceship with a bunch of Stark technology uh, to try and find alien sources of magic. So the series is basically Strange in Space! <laughs> and, <laughs> and so a high adventure in outer space with Doctor Strange in an unfamiliar, well, strange territory, shall we say. Uh, and uh, going on this great adventure through the cosmos trying to uh, regain his uh, knack for sorcery. And it's written by one of the best writers in contemporary comics, so yeah, it's uh, something that's pretty accessible, I think, for someone who's lost touch with the good doctor uh, over the past couple of years. Um, it's, it's a good jumping on point, and I, th- I think it's probably going to turn out to be kind of a self-contained arc, uh, with Wade taking Strange into space, uh, le- letting him get to know uh, uh, what uh, shapes uh, sorcery takes in uh, uh, beyond Earth in, in the Marvel Universe. And so I, I, I do recommend it. Well, then, let's head up a muddle the murd. Once again, time for our trivia contest where you could win a prize if you muddle the murd. Asking questions three. And the prize right now, we're still giving away some original art. This is the last batch of art from our first batch, if that makes any sense, of original art given to us by our anonymous listener. How about last round from our first batch? Thank you, Shane. That's why I'm... That's, yeah, thanks. So, this last batch from the first round of original art that's up for prize are, is a Walt Simonson Batman sketch, nice. as well as a Zelda Fitzgerald painting from Moritat. 
<laughs> Interesting and eclectic uh, couple of prizes yes. there, but uh, one that would uh, well, grace anybody's collection. Yes. So who is fortunate enough to be playing for this prize pack, Brian? I'm glad you asked, Adam. That contestant is Derek Moore. He goes, Dear Beloved Geeks, I am proud to announce that we are now a two-generation family of comic geeks. <laughs> I was reading some reprinted Marvel comics from Jack Kirby a few months ago, and my five-year-old son, Ellie, was curious. Well, I found a graphic novel of the old Devil Dinosaur comics, and, well, combining <laughs> dinosaurs and comics for a five-year-old was the golden touch. This inspired me to try and muddle the murd one more time. As my son was just a baby the last time I was able to achieve such a feat. The questions are as follows, and of course, I have a picture I want to show off first. Please feel free to fawn and announce on the show how cute he is. <laughs> Aww. That's awesome. There's a little sock monkey in the background there, and he's got the devil dinosaur. Oh, that's great. All right, so Merg. I miss those days. <laughs> Merg, question one, DC... 1970-2000 inclusive. The Devil Dinosaur comics reminded me of my love for Commandy, that crazy last kid on Earth who was just an ex who was just in an excellent DC miniseries that recently ended. In Commandy number 16 in 1974, Commandy visits an experimental lab where he finds out that a certain compound was released simultaneously with the great disaster that caused the rapid evolution of certain animals into the species that now dominates Earth. What is the name of the compound? <sighs> the only name I can think of, and I may be jumbling my... My memories of uh, various uh, who's who in the DC Universe entries in which such compounds are mentioned. Um, the name that's coming to mind is Cortexin. Wow. Cortexin it is. <laughs> All my right. Goodness. <laughs> kind of anticlimactic from now, but whew. Wow. Oh, goodness. All right. My memories were not jumbled after all. I hope to hell before something happens to you and you leave this mortal plane that they download your memories somewhere, man. Wow. <laughs> that is one heck yes. of a back computer. <laughs> I don't know. Creating an AI of uh, a technophobe like myself is a bit like uh, – <laughs> it's going to be like programming self-loathing right into it. I don't know if it will work out. That's what would make it even better. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Question two. Independent, 2001 to present. In letter 44, number one, from 2013, which is a wonderful series written by Charles Sewell, a lot of Vader, and recently concluded, the recently elected and inaugurated president of the U.S. is given a transitional letter by the previous president to pass on wisdom and knowledge. In letter 44... Their transition from the 43rd to 44th president, the new president learns there is some kind of alien installation near Jupiter that has been kept secret for the past seven years for fear of public panic. What is the name of the newly elected president? A last name is more than enough. 
Well, I'll tell you what, in another, oh, I don't know, 12 years or so, I'm sure I'll know this because I, I do own the first uh, several issues of Letter 44, uh, but I haven't read them. So uh, I, I've read the first uh, six, but I don't know it either. Yeah. So I guess I'll just uh, be saying a name then, uh, McGillicuddy. <laughs> no, it's not McGillicuddy, which, by the way, is a great name. Was that Lucy Ricardo's maiden name? Oh, uh, it might have been. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, the answer is Stephen Blades. All right, question three, Marvel pre-1970. What's so funny. I just thought of something from Teen Titans Go. Oh, well, go ahead. He's already here. Slade. Slade. Okay. Blades. In X-Men, uh. in X-Men 34, the X-Men are recruited by Ted Roberts, sometimes Bo, to Jean Grey, to help locate his brother Ralph, a.k.a. the Cobalt Man. Ah. Ralph was kidnapped to create a super robot made out of made out to take over the world. Who kidnapped Ralph Roberts? Star Saxon. No, I'm sorry, the answer is Tyrannus. <laughs> oh darn it. Yep, I was nowhere close. But you got the first uh, question yeah. right. So, yay Cortexon. So yay Cortexon. Slate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know what you're laughing about, but oh. I'm laughing right along with you. Oh, my God. Starfied. They real close up of her face. <laughs> is this from the movie, I assume? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was when you said Blades that did it. Oh. <laughs> oh, fun time. Oh. oh, God, stupid me. Stupid you. Uh, I swear all the TV ads and all the things I've some, seen come up on the computer said... Avengers Infinity War came out in total this week. No, it's only one of the HD downloads. Uh-huh. I went to Target, searching all around, <laughs> getting ready to go home and watch it with the kids. What the <laughs> hell is going on? Couldn't find it anywhere. Google, like, oh, nope, a couple more weeks. Ah. Curses. Two weeks. Foiled again. You'll be fine. I know. I was just like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then I could hear Nelson in the background. Oh. <laughs> 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 I was very disappointed. All right. Is that going to wrap it up for us here then? I take that as a yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I guess so. Okay. So we're all comic talked out. All right. So until next time, Shane, you have all the printed information. To- Visit us at comicgeekspeak.com to send us an email. The address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com to leave a voicemail. The number is 267-702-6642. Have you ever had a muddle the murder by voicemail? At some point, I believe we Just have. Something, something crossed my mind. I'm sure that we stumped the Rios that were done that way. Yeah. There was even... Rick Croxton sent us a couple of uh, uh, video stumped the Rios. Yep, right. yep. That's correct. Yeah, just something to think about. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thank you to everyone who contributes to the episode and sends anonymous packages out. <laughs> and as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes one listener at a time. Start coming for him, start to know for him.com. So I skipped over that part. <laughs>